0: beloved church of god beginning our service before the lord let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of jesus christ when he at the door of hope will come be glorified in the bodies of his saints let the resurrection of christ reign in our bodies amen let us bow our heads in prayer dear heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege To be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name and so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us may in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil illnesses poverty premature death demonic dependencies all forms of fears depression destruction stagnancy ignorance Follow this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice for your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi into your divine arms. And we ask that you continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated.
1: Ephesians 4, 22 through
2: 24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4:22 through 24. We are speaking of the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arcadi, we need to put three destiny impacting commanding and fundamental acts into practice, these are put off, be renewed and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. And let us look at how the scriptures speak of this in Psalm 18one through three. I love you, Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, And my Deliverer, my God, is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my Deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. We believe that these confessions are the faith of our heart and not just idle words. And so we have been studying the name of God Lord, you are my strength. You are my rock, and have been studying. Lord, you are my fortress. One more service, and we probably will be going on then to the next, which is my deliverer. And so these three names, which we have had the opportunity opportunity to remember, and so. Magnifying the word of God within our heart, we clothe ourselves into the power of the name of God's strength, the first name. And after this, we weigh ourselves upon the scale plates of righteousness and cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit with the abilities contained in the lot of the name of God rock, the second name. We then receive the right in Jesus Christ to access the lot contained in God's name fortress, the third name, so that we can approach God. This is a unique and universal name the Lord of God Fortress. It is utilized in the given psalm as a inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person can approach God so that he can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the Kingdom of Heaven containing the containing the oath promises of God. If we will be studying the name of God Fortress to understand the name of God strength, rock, Fortress, Rock of Salvation and so forth, all of these names and to have these characteristics in ourselves, we need to approach God. But what's unique, we approach God in His name, Fortress, and we are becoming familiar not just with the words draw near to or to approach, but in the form of a verb. And so when we approach God, what happens as God, our fortress, we are fertilized with the promise, the oath promises. Why? We will find out why right now. We have a couple of services to still understand and go through these things with this name fortress. We understand uh, much now, but we need to go through more. And so the name of God, fortress, in Hebrew, is used in the given prayer psalm and has these characteristics, God's habitation, God's house, God's sanctuary, unapproachable light in which God dwells, the place where man gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the atmosphere of of God, the success of God, the joy of God, the hope of God, and the trust of God. This is what we're approaching. Practically, the fortress of God is a specific place where God abides within the boundaries of which we can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the Kingdom of Heaven. Everywhere where God abides upon this place, you can get to know Him. You can produce fruit. And if we come to the place where a person cannot know God, that means he will not be able to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. He will not be able to produce appropriate fruit to God. He will not be able to bear this promise, his Methuselah. This means he will not be able to drive away death from his essence and this salvation that he has been put into his spirit. Why does he put it in our spirit? So we can begin to expand this salvation, outstretch and expand. To our soul and from our soul to our body. And this happens when our soul is broken, because when it's a contrite spirit, it's a broken spirit, it is humbled, it receives then the right not just to life but the resurrection. Because life is not always resurrection, resurrection is always life. And life that has not become resurrection will be lost. God gives to us as a guarantee. As an investment He gives to us His life and our spirit needs to be broken and if we have to have a contrary spirit, if we don't we won't be able to save our soul and we will not be able to adopt our body. And why do we need this? So that we can meet with our Lord Jesus Christ to be able to meet, He needs to meet with His bride, with the bride of the Lamb, His wife. We need to correspond to Him in some way in the power of resurrection. And resurrection as a result of death when we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires. And this happens when a person's spirit is contrite, when it's in the state of brokenness. How do we know that it is? We need to have a gentle mouth, a meek mouth. We need to have this gentleness and meekness because it produces humility. And humility br- brings to this uh, brokenness. And having this brokenness, we tremble before the Word of God. These are key words. These are... relatable words the meek mouth the gentle mouth humility this is brokenness and trembling before the word of god these all speak of the fact that we have the spirit that has the power of the resurrection of christ and having this broken spirit our spirit of brokenness we can then and do the work so we can clothe our bodies and our soul into a new into a new life into the resurrection of christ this is a very important component uh, a person is to have without it again this broken spirit we cannot lose our soul when samson died during his lifetime he killed uh... the philistines uh... and he did in his death destroy more philistines than he did than than he did throughout his lifetime and so we can't We will, we, we may de- uh, dedicate ourselves, sanctify ourselves, but we will not be able to do the work of sanctification and absolute dedication to God without the remaining components. And this place where we get to know God is situated in three unique realms. These are first the heights of the heavens, Second, the sanctuary identified as the body of Christ and the chosen by God remnant. And third, the heart of man who has a humble and contrite spirit and who trembles before the preached word of God spoken by a person who is clothed into the authority of a father and also spoken by the helpers of this person. And so the verb run to or to approach God as your fortress consists of the opportunities giving man the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the promise belonging to the door of our hope in the fruit of which God receives the legitimate ability to join the battle for our body so that he can destroy the stronghold of death within our body and forever thrust the old man from out of our body into hell with noise and so God using that promise that Methuselah that we've bore or produced Methuselah needs to come of age when he bore Methuselah he was 65 years he lived 300 more years and he walked before God. He needed to deliver every area of himself. He needed to deliver and every part of himself uh, from death. While well, he lived his life for the 300 years. And so it's important to have this fruit. This fruit uh, then begins to... Uh, Outstretches uh, salvation onto our sp- uh, soul and then our body. And Methuselah, the one who ra- drives away death, this is a promise that can only be in the broken spirit. Methuselah can only be in a contrite spirit, a broken spirit, because Methuselah, who drives away death, is not death, is not life, but resurrection. You can't scare uh, hell with life, but you can't scare hell with resurrection. Life does not scare Him. And when the church proclaims that the Lord is, is risen, and, and we say He is truly risen, He despises these words. Life doesn't scare Him. Resurrection scares Him. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to or to approach God means to approach the altar, commence to know God, enter the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, resort to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, grow fruit for God. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to or to approach Him, then the result of such contact always yields a corresponding fruit within the area in which we have approached Him. considering this as with the previous names of God we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one area of our life is not an automatic guarantee that it is present it's not guaranteed to be present in the given name in another area of our life since according to the statements of Scripture for the presence of the fortress of God every individual area of our life needs to be brought to proper condition where the power of God would be able to reproduce the fruit of the fortress in this area in the form of our salvation therefore it is specifically us every one of us in every individual area of our essence who are responsible to create such an atmosphere which would be able to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress and what is this atmosphere this atmosphere is called to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress it is the good soil of our heart able to receive the seed of the word of God and grow fruit corresponding to the nature of the seed we have received when the angel Gabriel came to Mary this was the time when she was praying she was praying and her heart was ready to receive the seed the conversation was short and in this conversation he was speaking great things, the kind of things that shook her. And he didn't explain much. This conversation lasted a couple of minutes, but her heart was so well prepared to receive the seed that she just needed to say, maybe according to your word. And at that time, the Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived, being a virgin, how quickly! she found contact with God. Prophets quickly made contact with God when, at, at the appropriate moment. The angel comes to prophet Daniel and he says, just as soon as you had said the first words, saying, Heavenly Father, I'm just uh, saying uh, as we would start a prayer, Heavenly Father, and he said, as soon as you spoke the first words, we come to the Lord, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ. When he had told him because as soon as we start praying god already knows our needs our desires our requests he said i already came with the i was already coming with the response as soon as you began praying but i was held up because someone was in the way and it's necessary that you continue to battle and the prophet continued to battle so that the lord would be able to fulfill his words the prophets and apostles they had the good soil of the heart as soon as they Came to pray, they did not have a monologue, they had a dialogue. A good soil is a dialogue w- with God. It's not just a monologue where I speak in and, and just the Lord hears or the other way, but a dialogue where we respond to one another. Right now, there's a dialogue happening. Um, the monologue happens in a person who does not acknowledge God's messenger, if a person is in this church and does not receive Apostle Arcadi, then right now it's a monologue for this person. I just speak for nothing for this person, but to a heart that is prepared in the soil of a heart that is ready, this is a dialogue because such truth, this truth is already in your heart. It's just what is necessary is to remember this truth and confess this truth in prayer and this is a dialogue I speak with your heart if the Prophet of God has put this word into your heart then I as the helper as the seer I just need to remind us there's something in our heart and this is precious and important and we need to remember what you and I have and we thank God for it as I don't need to be a prophet in this case I need to be a seer because you already have this wealth within your heart It's you just need to fulfill the proper uh, conditions, we need to confess ourselves and clothe ourselves into the power of the resurrection of Christ. And for this purpose, just as we studied the previous names of God called to be individual lots of our salvation, we need to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress? What purpose is our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress called to fulfill in realizing our salvation? where price is required to be paid so that we can give God the ability to be our fortress and fourth, by what results can we determine that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling. And so to determine again the results, the fruits by which we can determine that the Lord truly is our fortress. And today we will study the eighth sign. The eighth sign that our heart is a fortress for God and that we are within the fortress of God is our ability to provide God with proper grounds to place us into Christ. Therefore, if the seventh sign contained the element of Christ abiding within our heart, the eighth sign by which we can judge that God becomes our fortress is the element of our abiding in Christ. He is our fortress. We abide in Christ. But to abide in Christ, it's necessary for Christ to abide in us. And this is one act. Christ in us and us in Christ. I can't say, you know, saints, Christ lives in me, but I don't yet live in Christ. Or the opposite, I can't say that there's no Christ in me, but I am in Christ. I'm a member of a church. That doesn't happen. When Christ lives in us, we live in Christ. And just as much as Christ lives in us is how much we live in Christ. And so, just like you put something on top of this water, for example, if there's a boat on water, the heavier it gets, if it's... and the more it will go deeper and deeper into the water, the more it submerges in. And so the more weight you have, the more you're submerging. And so this eighth sign where we will judge how to place ourselves into Christ. And so, automatically, without our participation and our agreement, our consent, where we're supposed to satisfy specific conditions, not only will we not be able to receive Christ into our heart, we will not be able to be placed into Christ, where God becomes then our fortress. And so we have 12 components of abiding in Christ. We will learn how we need to place ourselves into Christ. And today, we will study six of those components of abiding in Christ how to place our be placed into Christ. First component of abiding in Christ, where God becomes our fortress, is to be determined by having within ourselves the signs of a new creation. I need to be a new creation to be placed into Christ. 2 Corinthians 517 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And this means that being placed into Christ, we obtain the ability to continuously renew and be perfected in our spirit upon the condition that we not look at what is visible, but what is invisible. Because what is visible is temporary, and what is invisible is eternal. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Looking at the eternal glory of what is invisible, this is the form of our heavenly body, will transform then our body into an eternal body, a heavenly body upon the condition that our eyes will be looking at this glory in the precious promises, making us partakers of God's divine nature. And so this glory, we need to see these heavenly bodies in God's precious promises. These are God's oath promises. What are oath promises? These are promises that make us partakers of God's divine nature. This is an oath promise. I have my arm hurts, for example, or hand. I need healing. Is this an oath promise? No. But when I say, may the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within my body, this is an oath promise. Because healing, it is temporary. The Lord uh, healed many, but those who he- were healed later still shouted out that, that that Jesus should be crucified. And so, you ask the Lord, do you want to heal me? He'll say, yes. But the healing is an oath promises. You need to establish the resurrection of Christ in yourself. And in the resurrection of Christ, there is healing for my heart, for my arms, for my body, for my pressure, blood pressure, whatever it may be all are in his oath promises. And so we need to study all of this in God's precious promises that make us partakers of God's divine nature. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 18, who also made us sufficient and as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved or st- on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not go be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory.
1: And so, for we
2: all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so how can we be transformed into the image of the glory of God when we look at this glory of God and where is this glory of God? Where do we see it? We see this glory of God in the mirror and how do you look into the mirror you need to have an unveiled face that does not have a covering as Moses covered his face you need to remove the f- covering from the face and put this covering upon the heart acknowledging God's or authority order within the church our face is covered only until our heart is not covered the covering needs to be either on our head where I don't see anything in the Word of God here's God's oath promises I don't see them why because with my intellect I can't understand my face is veiled, I need to look with an unveiled face and I can't understand and so the scriptures say remove the veil so that you can see these promises so that the Word of God can communicate with me, yes Lord I remove my covering and I put this covering upon my heart, upon my heart and when my heart is clothed into this covering I then acknowledge God's authority then I begin to see the Word of God. What is the mirror and what is an unveiled face? The mirror is the Word of God, the unveiled face are the doors of an open and prepared heart to listen to the Word of God. When we have a mirror, we have the Word of God. And this mirror is only for those with an unveiled face. If the face is veiled, it's covered over, then he doesn't need a mirror. A mirror is only for an unveiled face. This is when a person's ready to hear the word of God. You are ready to hear the word of God when you've acknowledged the person who is God's authority within the church, when you accept him into your heart, and then you are obedient to the word that's spoken, and not just look at not and not just consider this to be an alternative to something, where you read something on the internet, you read a, something in a book, and you also sometimes listen to the pastor, and so you then compare all of these options to see what you more prefer. This is not an unveiled face. An unveiled face is when a person has the faith of God and the faith of a person where he collaborates with the faith of God. And so it's very important to understand what do we see in the mirror? The preached Word are reflection, not just the Word of God, but the preached Word of your reflection. And so it's like you see a film, and so you begin to
1: understand. And so, if you
2: would uh, remove, uh, say, these things from before me, I would become uh, uncomfortable and I'd be worried because the word is not speaking but it only speaks when i have this word in front of me and so to see in the mirror of the preached word your reflection and to be transformed into this reflection it is necessary to have a heart cleansed from dead works where the precious promises where the promises are imprinted upon our heart and so our heart, that is cleansed from dead works, with the promises of God imprinted upon them, that is in His great glory. In the book of Job, God reveals in the allegories the significance of the glory of the door of the face, doors of our faith, in the, fourth, in the form of the Leviathan, and of course this creature, it's as a new creation. There's another Leviathan that the Lord condemns. There's a lion from the tribe of Judah, for example. And then there's also examples of lions uh, in a demonic form, because he has taken this example, he's taken this uh, form of roaring, he's imitated it for his own purposes. We look at the other characteristics. Uh, the godly characteristics of of these creatures, of these animals, and so let's look at Leviathan and how the Lord opens up the doors of His face. And when He opens the doors of His face, what does the Leviathan do? This unique creation in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. It's written, we are. This new creation in God, Job 41:14 through 18. Who can open the doors of His face? The answer is no one. No one can open the doors of His face. Why? Because I do it. I need to obey my faith with the faith of God. You can't be. You can't humble. Uh, you can't be humble for me. You can't restrain and discipline my tongue for me. I have to do this. And so who can open the doors of his face? Only he himself. And when we do this, then the Lord sees us in this positive light of the Leviathan. With his terrible teeth all around, his rows of scales are his pride. Shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. And so the resurrection of Christ begins to shine through the eyes of this holy person. But for this resurrection to happen, you need to first open the doors of your face. And when he opened the doors of his face, then the scriptures say he began to show, uh, sh- show the flash forth, he started flashing forth light light with his sneezing and his eyes like the eyelids of the morning, sneezing, which is the light of life. These are the confessions of the promises that are living within our body, this, uh, the stronghold of resurrection, which abides within which abides upon and is written upon the tablets of our heart in the form of the faith of God. We confess the word of God, and there we see the light of resurrection. And so it's in, this very interesting sneezing that is referring to here. 2 Kings 4:32 through 37, when Elisha came into the house where... We, where was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in therefore shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. When we receive any promise, it passes through the process of death because a promise, the resurrection of Christ, the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ, Methuselah, we receive him as life, but we need to receive him in the form of resurrection. Again, the devil's not afraid of life. He's afraid of resurrection. This promise dies when our heart is broken all dies when the heart, uh, the spirit is broken, everything that's uh, linked to us, all of the precious parts, everything dies, and it's very important that it happens, but it dies for the purpose of resurrection, and so this boy had died, Elisha did what? He came in, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord, he went up and lay on the, on the child, and put his mouth on his mouth his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. What are we doing right now? We are u- utilizing these uh, acts of Elisha in this case, the, the steps that he took right now. We, when we're turning to the word of God and we preach the, we, we speak of the preached word, we begin to warm our promise when our spirit is bro- broken then everything dies we need to still resurrect him you say lord resurrect my promises he says warm them and elisha the preached word comes and he places his eyes to mouth to arm to, to the arm to the mouth of our promise eyes to the mouth to the eyes of our promise and so i warm my mouth in this case I live according to this word, and I'm warming these promises. I look in the eyes of the dead child and begin to proclaim the non-existent as existent. And the scriptures say that the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. Pick up your promise. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. The boy sneezed seven times. These are the powers of the resurrection of Christ. To sneeze seven times is something uh, that someone can do when they've acknowledged the, the three elements, uh, when you acknowledge the Lord of who is all in all, when we have been grown into full measure of growth in Christ and when the fullness of time also is over and the Lord will uh, uh, God will allow the uh, Jesus to be resurrected within us and with noise our old man will be thrown out, thrusted out. And so, looking at the requirements necessary for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. If we hear these promises, we will have this joy to be able to fulfill it. When we have this joy and we're ready, this means that we are looking at this mirror. And in this mirror, we are seeing God, not ourselves. It's interesting when I wake up in the morning I see myself in the mirror and you see yourselves in mirrors sometimes on the telephone even there's a a, an application where uh, where you can see yourself and actually change your face in different ways Uh, you look very unrecognizable it is the same with the Word of God when we come up to this mirror and we look into it we need to see not ourselves we need to see the Lord Jesus Christ Matthew 5 8 blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and so the mirror is not in heaven the mirror is here in our heart to see within your heart in the mirror see Christ that is where it is. This is our new person that has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ. And that the Lord wants to do this. And we conclude that the sign of the new of a new creation in Christ Jesus is a pure heart that contains in itself the precious promises of God and the adopt this is the precious promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, where the Lord would be able will be able to easily read what's written upon the tablets of our heart as the reader. This was the first component. Our pastor has revealed what the mirror is, what is the unveiled face, and how in this mirror we will be able to see the precious promises and see the glory of God. Second component of abiding in Christ Where God becomes our fortress Is to be determined by having the characteristics of the grace uh, The characteristics of the peace of God within ourselves Second Corinthians 5.19 That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself God was in Christ reconciling the world to in Himself, not in putting their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The Lord does an account to us and put to us our trespasses when we collaborate with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart will place ourselves into Christ. If a person is resisting the conditions that is cleansing your heart from dead works, imprinting upon your heart the elementary teachings of Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master, if he refuses these things, then he will never be able to place himself into Jesus Christ. This is very important. And so right now we are studying in what way we abide in Jesus Christ. To abide in Jesus Christ is possible when the Lord God in Christ reconciles us to himself. And this happens when the Lord is placed into us. Our conscience is cleansed from dead works. The elementary teachings of Christ are imprinted upon our heart, and the Lord, the Lord is our Lord and Master. The Holy Spirit becomes our Lord and Master. And we continue to read. Furthermore, such a person will never be able to have. The true peace with God, who does not have these elements that we listed. This is because the Lord will account to us and input to us our iniquity, but He will not do so only in the condition, again, that we fulfill the implemented requirements that He has given to us and has allowed.
1: And uh, this person
2: also has allowed, then, the Lord to place himself into Christ. Romans 5.21 so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that justification that is received in grace would be able to be established and be enthroned within our heart. We need to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and our dest- destructive desires, which we have cloaked into uh, abominable uh, virtue which comes from the flesh instead of God. Romans 4.13, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so the Lord has reconciled not the sinful world to himself, it was not to Abraham because of the law or through the law, but because of the righteousness of faith, to be heirs of the world, to be heirs of peace. And so to be this heir of the world or to be the heir of peace, it is necessary that our justification become righteousness, so that the justification that we receive by grace in the moment of our repentance, would be able to be presented in the format of the fruit of righteousness and so grace reigns in us through righteousness and righteousness you receive when you're born again you become righteous by the fact of your birth you have a righteous spirit and then he needs to expand this salvation upon our soul when we renew our mind with the spirit of our mind and then our body and in this way we receive salvation as our own third component of abiding in Christ where God becomes our fortress is to be determined by having the signs of a good conscience within ourselves if we don't have a good conscience we will not be able to be to place ourselves into Christ. 1 Peter 3.16 Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We've noted more than once that the word having is a command as it's taken from the military lexicon. It's not that the scriptures say it wouldn't be bad to have a good conscience or It's the Lord saying, have a good conscience. You have to have a good conscience. If we will not have a good conscience, where the two great witnesses need to be that stand before the God of all the earth in the form of the truth in the heart and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in the heart, we will not be able to place ourselves into Jesus Christ. And furthermore, we will not be able to be light a light to the world so that we can show to those around us the good life that is in Jesus Christ and if we call ourselves Christians in Christ but we will be defamed and not because of our life in Christ but because of our ugly character are because we offend and we behave in bad ways then we will be considered we will be looked at as evil, or doing evil things. 1 Peter 4, 12-16 through through Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of god rests upon you on their part he is blasphemed but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters yet if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in this matter first peter 4 12 through 16 having a good conscience is when we suffer, we suffer for for the truth, not when we suffer just for different things or bad things that we've done. Uh, when we vi- violate a, uh, another's uh, rights, when we yell at someone, or and then we have specific suffering. We and 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 people then make conclusions that they're suffering like the apostles are or Apostle Arcadi. This is a a terrible religious uh, uh, thing, uh, but a false religious uh, thing to claim. Uh, because uh, you truly need to suffer for the sake of, of the truth, then that is when the Lord is glorified. But when we live as lawless people, and then we are being told not to, we suffer. Then that means that we don't have a good conscience if we don't if we don't like and don't want to hear these things. We need to repent. Uh, people have the right to say things. If we have broken uh, or violated somebody's rights or, or done certain things we weren't supposed to be doing, um, they have the right to say uh, say something to us about this if we have been corrected for these things, let us not deceive ourselves. Because in this case, you don't produce the fruit of repentance. You need to produce the fruit of repentance and and ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry, I will fix my ways. And not try to push yourself out or trying to show yourself in a, a better light. A conscience needs to be cleansed from dead works. Fourth component of abiding in Christ, where God becomes our fortress, is to be determined having the signs of eternal glory within yourself and clothing yourself into the signs of this glory. 1 Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, And so in Jesus Christ, Peter blesses them using the word, may he perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Why? Because all of this is only possible in Jesus Christ. The reason for the temporary suffering that is allowed by God, uh, that the Lord has called us to, that is to bring us to perfection in Jesus Christ, so that he could perfect us in his word, establish us, and strengthen and make us immovable. And so you ask the question, if you've called me to your glory, why do I suffer? We suffer so that we can be perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. The eternal and glorious, uh, wonderful glory of God, which we are called to enter and be a part of, is the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. Who, is, who has been revealed and made known to us in the form of His Word. John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to, to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the tr- truth shall make you free. Knowing the truth is only possible when you become a student of Christ, and this is live according to the Word and live according to the Word that possesses the power of a Father of God who has <clears throat> the seed, or is a carrier of the seed, and he speaks the seed, which is the living word of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. <clears throat> and so, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, only through the apostles. And so, those that are... those that have been called to God's glory may he perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us who proclaims these promises this is a person who is placed by God to know the truth is to enter to God's eternal glory which is the chosen by God remnant, which is the body of Christ, who has a fellowship with God. To abide in the Word of God is to live in the Word, to live according to the Word, to wait for the fulfillment of the Word, to stay within the boundaries of the waited Word, to look at the Word, listen to the Word, confess the Word, Trust, trust upon the word. Sing the word. Defend yourself with the word, and overcome with the word. Colossians 3:16-17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, not some kind of uh, odd 15-minute sermons that sometimes are are said, and and they tell stories, and they're all constantly changing the things that they say. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And that means there needs to be a teaching, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3, 16, 17. If listening to the preached word of God and singing the word of God, is not the priority within our heart, then this means that we are not in Jesus Christ. And furthermore, we are in, we are out of the boundaries of the the body of Christ and not part of the chosen by God remnant and do not have the right to enter to God's fortress. You need to listen to the word of God and sing the word of God. Because when we sing, it's very important we confess the word of God when we sing all together. Uh, Together... As a people, we sing together. We proclaim the word of God, and you pay attention. Pastor has has really uh, concentrated on making uh, the songs uh, communal songs, songs together that are part that are are all of us singing together instead of just. Uh, uh, just in the forms of a concert that people would sing, where everyone can sing and take part and participate. He's he's put great importance into this, and so good good voices always are still work and uh, and sing great and sing well in a in songs where everyone sings together, as well as voices that may be not up to par, but. Uh, the importance is that the word of god is being proclaimed of course when you're singing you need to be able to hear the the neighbor next to you uh, if you're over singing people of course uh... then maybe that needs to be balanced out
1: and so if we are obedient to the word of God that of the person that is
2: clothed into if we are obedient to the word of God that is spoken by the person that is clothed into his authority that means we are not going to be just being in his presence but the more we will be within God's fortress and so when we abide in the word then we get to know the word and to know the word is to become one with the truth we need to become one with the church we need to become one with the word and to become one how can you become one as how you know yourself with your partner you need to show love. You need to you you love you show a special love for and when you love then a consummation happens and when you consummate then you get to know one another. It's the same thing with uh in spirit. You can't know the truth until you love the truth. And when you love the truth, then the Lord recommends us to consummate with the truth and then in this way we will know this truth and whether we know the truth or not Apostle Paul uh, added this very important part where you do in our presence but in our absence you even more so dedicate yourself to the word fifth component of abiding in Christ where God becomes our fortress is to be determined by having the ability to know God to know God within ourselves here we've revealed now this uh, knowing, uh, we talked about knowing the truth, but here we also talk about knowing God. It's as if one, but there are specific uh, angles, different angles that we can see here as well. First John five twenty, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.20 According to the given statement, we, light and understanding given to us in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit gives us the right to enter into God's fortress so that we can know God and abide in the true in the true Son of God to know God means to cling to God the verb to cling to God speaks of a very unique relationship between God and man and so this also then Uh, refers to uh, two partners that are getting married and so this verb to cling to or be bounded to and there's a list of definitions of what it means to cling to your partner or cling to God in this case is to seek the favor of to uh, watch the heart and the mind, wait with trembling be ready to fulfill the will of, diligently seek and chase after not bend away from the goal hold fast what is promised continually remain in conversation and continually keep your faithfulness and pure relation in your in a pure relationship it's not that simple as we can see here to cling to God it's not simple to come into God's presence you you don't say maybe according to your word we need it to make sure that it starts working when we say it may be according to your word we know the word and we then say maybe be according to your word then uh, we, re- we receive the seed <clears throat> and we begin to grow in ourselves the characteristics of God and so according to the norms of scripture specifically these conditions are the legitimate uh... requirements of a legitimate contract between god and man to give god the legitimate ability to cover us and put us into christ and for christ to be able to be placed into us and to it is the same thing also that applies to marital partners uh, and these are people that of course are amongst the holy nation of god uh, two people Uh, and these uh, characteristics we need to also look at them a little bit closer in some examples Deuteronomy 4.4 but you who held fast to the Lord as we cling to the Lord another way of saying it holding fast to the Lord your God and alive today every one of you and so looking at this uh, requirement of holding fast to God or clinging to God by knowing Him is a process of our entire life where we continuously utilize the twelve components, giving us the ability to keep a pure and faithful relationship with God. And so as a result of this kind of relationship, not only will we continue to stay alive, but we will also but will also during great and terror and maybe even uh deadly attacks will be able to trample upon death in that time deuteronomy 11 22 23 for you are care for if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do to love the lord your God to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him then the lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves deuteronomy 11 22 through 23. And so He, again, won't just keep us, He'll keep our life. He will allow us to also stand, uh, uh, attack and, and overcome our enemy. The ability to hold fast or cling to God by knowing God also has one more element where everything that is ours belongs to God and everything that's God belongs to us. And all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them, John 17, 10. This component becomes legitimate when we continuously honor God with our tithes and offerings, where we testify that everything that is within our possession belongs to Him, and everything is within His at His disposal and it belongs to everything also belongs to us. Without gladly and voluntarily fulfilling the command of tithes and offerings, we will not be able to hold fast to God and to know Him and to walk in all of His ways to give God the ability to drive away from the nations that are more powerful than we are. Deuteronomy 11, 20, 22 through 25, For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, by following the commandments you hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness and and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the Western Sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread just as He has said to you. Deuteronomy 11, 22 through 25, if we have the results that come from knowing God, then this means that we are in Christ and we abide in the fortress of God. And so the results of the fact that we know God, we know God, this allows us to keep our life, this allows us to overcome our enemy, and knowing God, holding, holding fast to God, clinging to God, is we can do so by following the commandments of God. sixth component is quite vast. Let us just leave it for the next service. I think it's enough what we've heard today so that we can thank God for the word that we have received. And we will praise and worship before His great face. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for the right to approach and to come to that place where the memory of your Holy Name is, the place where you have magnified your word above all your names, the place where we can be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven and the place where we can look up as in a mirror and be transformed into the, into the glory of God we thank you that we have come to this place we thank you that today you have allowed us with an unveiled face to look at the mirror of the preached word which we have put into our own heart you have allowed us to see there your glory because we are ready with our faith to collaborate with your faith, and so that we may see your glory in the mirror of our heart. You've allowed us first to cleanse our conscience from dead works. And when we have sinned, and if we sin before your holy uh, face, so that we not justify ourselves. But we repent before you, just as your men did, as David did, and said, I have sinned before the Lord. And you say, and the Lord has taken your transgression away from you. We don't want to justify these acts. We acknowledge our sins. We leave our sins. We condemn these sins. We confess these sins. We don't legalize them because we want for our heart to be good our conscience to be cleansed so that it can see God see God in our heart allow us Lord in the mirror of our heart our conscience cleansed from dead works to see your glory not see ourselves but to see Christ Jesus in his glory and for this you have allowed us today to place Christ into our heart and to be placed into the Lord Jesus Christ we thank you Lord for the pure heart where your word your truth your teaching is written and the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of that word written upon our heart who is our Lord and our master and We this way demonstrate that Christ is in us. We we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you have allowed us to be in your Son, in Jesus Christ, in whom we have life and in whom you've allowed us to drive away all our enemies who are mightier than we are, the enemies that are within the boundaries of our body, our old man, death, illnesses, depression in the form of error and misunderstanding and ignorance. We pray, Lord, the truth, when we get to know your truth, when we know you, you allow us, Lord, because of this truth, to overcome the boundaries of our body. You've given your promises, and these are your precious promises, and these can be seen upon our heart. These precious promises, although they are in heaven but until it is resounding within our heart with the gentle with our gentle and meek mouth you will not see us as those who are kept for salvation until we begin to proclaim it to whom you have and for whom you've prepared this great promise prepared for us we thank you that this imperishable wealth is within our heart We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us today to be partakers of the narrow gate, to be a partaker and to place this narrow gate in the form of your teaching into our heart. You've allowed us, Lord, to acknowledge the status of your church, the fullness that fills all in all. You have allowed us, using the Word of God, to be grown into full measure of growth in Christ, into a perfect man. And we thank you, Lord, for those people that teach us that you have given to us, that who who instruct us and teach us and correct our, correct us, we thank you for our pastor and our apostle, Brother Arkadi. We thank you, Lord, for him. We thank you that you have allowed him to serve you in spirit, in the words and the words of your Son, so that Jesus Christ can be reflected in us. And, Lord, we thank you that Christ is reflected in your church, and we know this because of the atmosphere of brotherly love, because of our ability to repent when we sin and to rise again in the resurrection of Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that your mercy come quickly for that person and to that person to whom you have revealed these mysteries, to to whom you have revealed this truth. And we thank you, Lord, for these revelations. We thank you for your order. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we keep this word in our hearts. And we, today, confirm this word because of our confessions for ourselves. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. We thank You, Lord, that our bodies today are presented before Your Holy Face as heavenly bodies, that today we don't look at the visible, but what is invisible, because we see it in a pure heart in this mirror. You said the pure in heart will see God in their heart. Thank You, Lord, for Your mercy. We pray, Lord, continue to teach us upon this holy place <clears throat> and we worship before you, our great God Son and Holy Spirit amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.